Good morning. Last week, uh, we had a technical difficulty with the uh, recording, and so the message was not recorded. It's gone. It's gone. And, uh, but I thought I saw somebody with an iPhone recording. I'm not sure. But if anybody got it, let me know, okay, after the service. Because uh, I was hoping to have it. So. so last week, we shared on hearing God's voice. This is uh, an actual series of two parts. Uh, the first part is hearing God's voice. i got a hair here somewhere. Oh, there it is. <laughs> anyway, hearing God's voice. And the second part is, uh, are you listening? Are you listening? And uh, the key uh, word there is, do you have ears to hear? You're going to hear that in the message. Do you have ears to hear? And what does that mean? In hearing God's voice, we address two questions. One, how does God speak to us? Number one, through the Word of God, the Bible. Number two, through prophecy and other spiritual manifestations. Number three, through the still, small voice and our conscience. And that the last two have to agree with the Word of God. The Word of God is our standard. The second question, how can we develop and cultivate the ability to hear God's voice? Number one, by renewing our minds through the washing of the water of the Word. We talked about replacing our thoughts with God's thoughts and there was more to it than that, but that's kind of the main thing. Number two, to carefully listen to hear God's voice during times of prayer and worship. Now, I really appreciate what Jim did there as we waited upon the Lord. I think it'd be good if that became kind of a tradition because after worship, it's very a time of very it's a very spiritually sensitive time. It's a real opportunity to hear God's voice. And actually uh, Jim, during that time, I just felt the Lord encouraging me and speaking to me, and it, it, was, it was a good time. I appreciate that. Number three, by maintaining and abiding in his presence moment by moment, moment by ongoing prayer and worship to continue uh, with that through the day. Okay, so the second half is, are you listening? The first verse is Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 3. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 3. This is a very interesting verse, and it really uh, is appropriate. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God, and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you're on earth, therefore let your words be few. Isn't that interesting? And then the last part of verse 3, a fool's voice is known by his many words. We need to listen as well as speak in prayer. I think of Martha and Mary. It said Mary has chosen the greater part. And what was Mary doing? She was just sitting at his feet, listening. She didn't have a list. 
that she was reciting to him. She was just listening. We need to actually listen more than we speak. What God has to say to us is much more important than what we might say to him. Uh, I think I mentioned this last week, but um, I had the opportunity back in 1986 to actually meet Mother Teresa. It was a very interesting thing because uh, I didn't expect, you know, she's kind of a celebrity. We showed up at the mission, knocked on the door, and just said, could we meet with Mother Teresa? And they said, well, uh, she's not, she's busy right now, but at 4 o'clock, if you come back at 4 o'clock, and we actually were able to sit with her, about three or four other people. And then there was a time where she, uh, they had an International Youth Day, and then after that I went back and spoke with her personally. And she was, Mother Teresa was holding my hand, and I was telling her about our drug rehab center, she was patting my hand, telling me how wonderful that was. I'll never forget that. But anyway, um, Mother Teresa would get up every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning to seek the Lord. That was her tradition. And someone once asked her, Mother, when you pray, what do you say to God? Now you think about the needs in Calcutta and just the extraordinary mission and ministry they had. And she said, I don't say anything. I listen. Just just to be before God, to receive uh, what he has for us. That's so powerful. Again, faith is imparted through listening and then hearing God. Romans 10, 17. We shared this verse before, but Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As we read and study the word of God, it opens our ears to hear And then in hearing the voice of God, we receive faith. Look at uh, James 1.19. James 1.19. In the new uh, King James, this area of James 1 uh, is titled, Qualities Needed During Trials. And if you look at James 1, it's all about affliction, different things, suffering, And so this actually lends towards it in verse 19. In these situations of trials, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. This is especially true in enduring suffering. And I I think back to the first part where it says in Ecclesiastes, do not be rash with your mouth. Better to listen uh, during suffering. This may have to do with our relationship to others. I think they're talking about be careful. And it goes on. It talks about the wrath of man does not accomplish uh, God's work. But I think it relates directly to our relationship also with the Lord. That during times of suffering, it's better to hear, be quick to hear. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 27. Lamentations three twenty-seven. And actually, these verses uh, directly address this. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Uh, something came to mind, and I don't know where this quote was. I, I think I heard, must have heard it somewhere because it came to my mind. A trouble shared is a trouble halved. Have you heard that? A trouble shared is a troubled half. The first thing I got after that was, not necessarily, not necessarily. And uh, I've shared this in counseling with people, 
that when you're going through things, you know, God gives you certain people to comfort you, okay? So you go and you dump all this on them, and now they're oppressed and they're suffering, and your comforters can no longer comfort you. It's kind of a, a wisdom thing, how much to share, when to share. I know that's happened with my wife. You know, it's like I'm really going through something, and I'm sharing with her, and by the time I'm done, she's like, like this, and I'm going, no, wait, you're supposed to comfort me. You know? So yes and no, not necessarily. Um, I think this also relates directly, and I, I believe this is talking about our relationship to the Lord, that when we're afflicted, uh, that we need to be careful again and just wait in silence. When in suffering and trials, it's best to wait upon God and listen rather than utter rash thoughts. If we would do this, God would be faithful to comfort and encourage us, and he will show us a way out. I think it's a real exercise of faith, really, to be silent and to wait upon God, uh, to know that he will move on our behalf. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying you shouldn't share with people uh, what you're going through for prayer or whatever, but I think you can see what I'm talking about, that I've seen this over and over again. You know, the more I share about it, the worse it gets. I, I remember when I first came to the Lord, I was going through so much stuff, you know. And I'd ask for prayer and say, well, what, what are you going through? And I'd share it, and I'd feel miserable by the time I shared it. And they'd pray for me. And nothing. So finally, I just told him, I said, look, I said, the Lord already knows. I've say, shared it many times. You can pray in the Spirit. Just pray for me. And I didn't even tell him what it was. And actually, that's when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit. But, you know, there's a balance there. Uh, to be careful about that. Isaiah 30, chapter 20. It talks about this very thing, about the Lord uh, speaking to us during suffering. It says, though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. It's interesting, this verse directly relates to a time of adversity and affliction, that during that time, it is a spiritual reality that the voice of the Lord is ever more clear. I've had some experiences uh, where I've been in, in deep suffering and, and going through some really incredible things, and the Lord is so present and so clear. And, and if you look at my journal you can see the times of suffering. There's more stuff, you know, God's speaking during those times. And it's almost like when it's over and everything's fine again, you actually savor it. You know, you almost wish you had it again, you know. But it's true. God speaks to us and is very faithful to be with us in a special way during those times of suffering. Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God is faithful to lead us and guide us during times of adversity and affliction if we will listen. But we need to have ears to hear, ears to hear. And I was thinking about this, and there's actually a quote I'm going to share later. This is really a disposition, something that we consciously uh, do to have ears to hear. In Mark chapter 4, verse 8 through 9, Jesus is talking about the sower and the seed. At the end of that parable, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? Eight times in the gospel, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's the sower and the seed five other times on different subjects. One time I remember it was on the wheat and the tares. But he's talking, and at the end he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In Revelations chapter 2, verse 7, speaking to the seven churches, uh, specifically to the church of Ephesus, God says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, what this implies that there are those that will not hear these things. And there will be those who do hear these things. The ones that hear these things are those who have ears to hear. We need to have ears to hear. What does it mean to have ears to hear? How, how can we have ears to hear? Number one, we need to remove any obstacles to our being able to hear. We need to repent of all known sin. And it's interesting, and I think you've experienced this, when God comes very strongly upon you in an area of sin, and he brings you to repentance, and there's a breaking and a weeping and a release, and forgiveness comes, that God is so present. And, and, and you need to take and write something, because God, God will speak to you uh, during those times. There's something about uh, repentance and being cleansed of sin. Isaiah 6, uh, verse 1 This is the uh, story of uh, Isaiah entering the presence of the Lord, a great area. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two his feet. With two he flew. One cried to another, said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. The power of God came in. The presence of God uh, was in the temple. What was Isaiah's first response to the presence of God? The next verse. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. His first response was conviction and repentance. First response. And he repented of his sin. And, And interestingly enough, it was a specific sin of unclean lips, a specific area of sin. What happens next? One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth, the area of the sin. He touched my mouth with it. He said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. God forgave his sin. And he cleansed that specific area of sin. And then finally it says this at the very end. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord, saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, tell this people. And he speaks to him about what to say. God spoke to him. The presence of the Lord comes into the temple. Isaiah comes under conviction of sin. He repents. His sin is removed and cleansed, and then he's able to hear the voice of the Lord. And he has a heart to respond. And I believe this came through that action of repentance. He had a heart to respond. And, it, and it's interesting, because, you know, this is a whole thing you can think about. Whom shall I sell, say, who shall I send and who will go 
for us. Who is us? <laughs> we get into that. Trinity, angels, you know. It's interesting that that's uh, plural. But it's interesting also, he wasn't speaking specifically to Isaiah. Isaiah overheard it over here, and he goes, here am I, you know. Here am I, send me. So he was available. He was available, and through this process, he was able to hear, and he had a heart uh, to respond, send me. 1 John 1, 8 through 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, take note, it was specific confession, and God cleansed specific sin. If you want sin cleansed, you need to be specific with God. This, in turn, removed obstacles to be able to hear his voice, and in this case, to respond to that with a heart of obedience. Okay, number two. We need to make ourselves available, and I think this is very important. We need to make ourselves available and purpose to listen. That's that disposition. We need to purpose to listen. We need to be attentive. Because, and we're going to see this throughout this, you know, it's a still small voice. You've got to lean in and be attentive. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. And we know the story of Samuel, and he was given to Eli to serve in the temple as a young boy. And it talks about the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Eli was the priest. And the Lord of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out to the tabernacle of God, of the Lord, where the ark of God was, while Samuel was lying down, this young boy, that the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli. Here I am, for you called me. Must have been Eli. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down again. Then the Lord called again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor, this is interesting, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, so he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. I think this is interesting because Eli was the priest of God, but if you read the story about this, Eli was a mess. And his sons were a mess. They weren't, you know, he ended up dying. He was sitting on a rock. They came to him and said, your sons are dead. And he fell off the rock and died. I mean, it was just not a good story for Eli. But I was thinking here about Eli's great discernment. So, so finally, it says here that uh, he perceived that the Lord had called the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be. Now, listen to this. If he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called us other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. The next verse says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, The Lord spoke to Samuel. We need to be available, we need to purpose to listen. We need to be attentive to the voice of the Lord. We need to take time to do that, as, as we did that morning in that one example. But we need to take time 
set aside, undistracted to be able to do that. And we need to have this attitude. And I, I think the reason I, I really felt this, this first, we need to have this attitude of Samuel where, where we come to that place where we're waiting upon God as we were, and we say, speak for your servant hears and we wait. And you know, God is faithful. God is faithful when we do that. Uh, Oswald Chambers, uh, late 1800s, a Scottish Baptist evangelist. He wrote the book, My Utmost for His Highest. Many of us are familiar with that. He said in reference to this verse, whether or not I hear God's call depends upon the state of my ears. And what I hear depends upon my disposition. Many are called, but few are chosen. That is, few prove themselves the chosen ones. The chosen ones are those who have come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, whereby their disposition has been altered and their ears unstopped. And they hear the still small voice questioning all the time, who will go for us? Who will go for us? 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. You, you remember this story? Elijah just had the encounter with the prophets of Baal. He had killed them. And then uh, Jezebel found out and threatened them. And, I, you know, it's very interesting. He wasn't afraid of all these prophets of Baal, but this one woman, she said, you know, he ran and fled. And uh, said he, he, he went out into the wilderness, and, and then he was fed by an angel. And the angel came again and fed him and said, you need to go on. He went for 40 days uh, with that food. He went to... Mount Horeb, he was up on the mountain of the Lord. He went into a cave, and he's hiding in this cave, okay? He's hiding in this cave. And it says, and behold, the Lord passed by the cave, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. He went out, he stood in the entrance of the cave. And the voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Eli? So God was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. It took that subtle listening, the still small voice. We need to be attentive and carefully listen. God will be faithful to speak if we will, but listen, we need to have ears to hear. Psalm 16, verse 7, and I, and I think this thing about purposing to listen, and, and you know the thing about prayer too, expectation, expectation that God, God will answer. Psalm 16, 7, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I think it's interesting, and you may have had this experience. You know, you, you wake up in the night, when I do, when I wake up in the middle of the night, first thing I do is I go, Lord? And I mean, it's so, he's so present. Just to speak to you, there's nothing there, but God, God speaks to you. Um, I used to share with the students, overseas, I said, how many people, you know, have been woken in the night? You know, you just woke them. A lot of times, sometimes it's something troubling. It might even be a 
bad dream or something, you know. But, but you're woken in the night, okay? And I really believe that those times, bear with me, and, the, and you can look at this, those times are to spend times with the Lord, okay? So you can rebuke the devil, but then say, yes, Lord, why'd you let the devil wake me up? You know, here we are, okay? But I think, you know, our propensity is to just rebuke the devil and, and then lie down again and quote the verse, he giveth his beloved sleep, right? And we miss an opportunity to spend time with God. And it's interesting. I think Jim shared that the actual translation of that is, he giveth to his beloved even in his sleep. It, it, actually, that's a more clear translation, which really speaks to the fact that God wants to communicate with you in your sleep and even in your night hours. And I've quoted that to the Lord before I go to bed. I said, you're free, Lord. If you want to give me dreams, whatever, speak to me, do it. Is that good? Is that a good thing? God wants to communicate to us. He wants to communicate to us. If we listen, Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. I really like this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I thought about that. And, and there's a verse that says, the eyes of the Lord roam the earth, you know, and the idea here, I think, is that God can see what's going on, what's happening. He can go before you. So he's saying, I, I will look and, and I will guide you. I mean, this is really good. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And then it says, do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, lest they will not come near you. He's saying here you have a choice. You can take time to listen and obey his voice, or he can lead you like a horse or a mule. That's what it says. That's what it says. Okay? We have this choice. Isaiah 50, verse 4 through 5. Isaiah 50, 4 through 5. And again, this, this speaks about the night hours. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He wakens me morning by morning. So... This is talking about spending time with the Lord in the morning when it's quiet before the Lord. I have a teaching on the morning watch. It's, it's so important to spend time with the Lord in the morning. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the Lord learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Now, just recently, I was going through this teaching, and, and I felt like the Lord really shared something with me, that as we attempt to listen and then are obedient to what we hear, next time, the Lord's voice is even more clear. The more we listen and are obedient, the clearer the Lord's voice becomes. And I believe the opposite is true also. And it says here about, I was not rebellious. You know, that will cut us off. So the whole issue of the Christian life, I really believe, and I was thinking about discipleship, I was thinking about our discipleship training and teaching series, which has to do with bringing Christians into maturity, and I realized that the whole purpose of that boiled down to, to bringing people up to the place where they could hear God's voice and then be obedient. You know, we've heard this before. We don't, we don't make disciples to ourselves. We make disciples to Jesus. 
that they might commune with Jesus, hear his voice, and be obedient. So the whole issue of the Christian life is to come to that place where we listen and hear God's voice and then are obedient to what he speaks. And this is true success because it's being, being obedient to the will of God. In this you will be pleasing to God and bear fruit that remains. John 8, 28 through 30. John 8, 28 through 30. Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. I do nothing of myself. As my Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I always do those things that please Him. Look at the results of Jesus listening and then being obedient. God teaches him. He does nothing of himself. He is pleasing to the Father, and therefore the Father is always with him. We know God is always with us, but he's talking about the manifest presence of God actively involved in his ministry. Is that powerful? Do we have ears to hear? And how do we have ears to hear? Number one, we need to remove every obstacle to our being able to hear. We need to repent of all known sin. And I would say there also that we need to take time to listen, removing distractions and seeking the Lord and waiting before the Lord. And number two, we need to make ourselves available and listen. We need to be attentive. God is speaking. Are we listening? He never sleeps nor slumbers. He's available. All you have to do is listen and he will speak something to you. Amen. Let me pray for you. Let's stand, and I'll pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for that word. We thank you for uh, the whole area, this whole area, this whole topic about hearing God's voice, this whole issue of you speaking to us through the scriptures and, and speaking to us prophetically and through the still, small voice. And Lord, that, that, that you would work this in us and we would be sensitive to how you're developing uh, the, this in us. And then, Lord, to learn to listen, to be attentive, to, to have a propensity, a tendency to lean into God and take opportunity. God, we pray for that in Jesus' name. We know that when we hear your voice, faith is imparted. We know that when we hear your voice and, and it's directional, we know that we can accomplish uh, what you've given us to do. It isn't an issue of attempting to do something and asking you to bless it. You've already blessed it. You've already gone before us. We are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which you have prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. This is the life that we look for. This is what we want. So God, help us to move into this. We, many of us have touched this. You want us to develop it and cultivate it. So God, we pray that would be the case. So Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.